A fourth dose of COVID vaccine became available on Friday for people aged 50 and up, as well as people who need to leave Taiwan for work purposes. Dozens of people turned up at vaccination sites early in the morning to get a shot. Some of them said they were concerned about a lack of mask wearing in foreign countries and hoped that the additional booster would offer some protection. A long line of people formed on Friday outside a COVID vaccination site at Taipei Stadium. Before even 9am, almost 100 people were here to get their fourth COVID vaccine shot. The CECC recently expanded eligibility for second booster shots to people aged 50 and up. People going abroad for work can now be assessed if they need an additional shot. I need to go abroad to handle some affairs, so I don't know. Abroad, people are going around without masks, so I don't know what will happen when I go. I want to go outside. I've been cooped up at home for two, almost three months now. So now that it's the summer break, I would like to go out, but safely. I'm going to retire soon, so I might have more chances to travel abroad in the future. Some worry about getting infected abroad and having to deal with the foreign healthcare system. Others say they are getting the shot so they can feel safe when Taiwan opens its borders. Experts say that workers who need to go abroad should get this fourth shot two weeks before departure, but at least five months after their first booster shot. The relevant proof from the employer must be provided at the vaccination site, as well as proof of outgoing plane tickets. Any vaccine brand can be used for the fourth shot, but availability varies from place to place. Doctors say people aged 50 and up should go get their shot as soon as they can. The older you are, the more chronic diseases you probably have. This all puts you at high risk for moderate to severe COVID symptoms. Around the world, people are getting chronic diseases younger. So perhaps even if you're just 50, you might not be as healthy as before. Your immune system may be a little worse. CECC head Victor Wang on Friday went to Taoyuan International Airport to inspect procedures. The number of departing, arriving and transfer passengers has soared with the start of the summer break. And queues can get a little slow during peak hours. The cap on weekly passengers is adjusted depending on how prepared we are to receive such a number of travellers at the airport. We also have to keep in mind the international COVID situation. Right now, the world is in the peak of another wave. So we need to observe the situation and look at the death rate and the rate of severe infection when it reaches the peak. These are all factors we consider. The CECC officials said there were not yet any plans to remove quarantines for travellers, but said that Taiwan could consider increasing the caps on weekly arrivals. Debate is raging over mask wearing in restaurant kitchens. The CECC recently announced that workers in open spaces outdoors didn't have to wear masks. That's good news for folks working under the scorching sun. Now, some chefs say they want the same freedom. Restaurant kitchens can get as hot as any street outside. Others say hygiene should be number one. Let's hear from both sides. A red-hot fire leaps from the wok. The chef keeps flipping the stir-fry. The kitchen is incredibly hot and stuffy. But all the chefs are wearing masks, making it harder to breathe. And to protect the temperature of the food, 
I can't turn on the aircon. The kitchen is basically 36 or 37 degrees. I get through four or five masks a day, and we take a rapid COVID test every day. At the peak of service, the chefs are so busy, they don't even have time to wipe the sweat from their brow. The scorching summer heat is getting tough, and a chef's shirt dripping with sweat is the norm. Masks have to be changed repeatedly. The government now says workers can take masks off outside. And some say kitchen staff should get a break too, but not everyone agrees. We always wore masks before the pandemic. It's basic hygiene for people who work in a kitchen. I wear one. It's my personal habit. The temperature is already in the 30s. In the kitchen, it can reach more than 40 degrees. It causes a lot of trouble with the whole face and the skin. I think it would be excellent if we could choose whether or not to wear masks in the kitchen. Some restaurants have always required staff to wear masks. At other eateries, bosses would be happy to let them come off to help the chef's skin breathe as well as their lungs. Most restaurants are still insisting employees wear masks for hygiene reasons. But as the pandemic eases, more and more people will want to breathe easier again. Earlier this year, the Ministry of Education launched a program with eight universities to allow up to 281 Ukrainian students to flee the war in their country and study in Taiwan. On Friday, Premier Su Chang sat down with some of those students, chatting to them about how they were adjusting to life in Taiwan. Premier Su Chang and Education Minister Pan Wenzhong are on stage together, meeting Ukrainian students in Taiwan. Since the start of Russia's invasion of Ukraine more than five months ago, Taiwan has donated more than 45 million US dollars and more than 600 tons of aid to Ukrainians in need. The Ministry of Education worked with several universities to waive tuition and miscellaneous fees for more than 281 students. The aim was to help Ukrainian refugees flee the war and become students in Taiwan. Next to Taiwan, we have a huge and barbaric country that is always talking about using force against our families. So the situation in Ukraine made us think that we should help each other and care for each other. Su criticized China's constant warmongering, saying that Taiwan and Ukraine were in similar situations with aggressive neighbors. A Ukrainian student at the event who lived through the attacks in Ukraine said she hoped the war would end soon. Because us Ukrainians already know that war only brings pain and death. All of us Ukrainians do not want to see war break out in the world. And that is why we hope the war will end as soon as possible. We believe that we can protect our land, our country and our rightful independence. I wanted to take this opportunity to hear whether any of you had found any difficulties in your studies in Taiwan. If there is anything we should improve, you're more than welcome to bring it up. Just now we heard from Anna who speaks Mandarin so well. I think you'll have no problem graduating. Sue also made sure that the Ukrainian students had a good stay in Taiwan, suggesting that they go to his hometown in Pingdong to enjoy the beauty of southern Taiwan. 
These blossoming ties between Ukraine and Taiwan show that a friend in need is a friend indeed. After more than 12 years of construction, the two sides of Jingmen Bridge were finally connected Friday morning. The 5.4-kilometer sea-crossing bridge links up Greater Jingmen Island with Lieyu Islet. Authorities say the bridge could open to traffic as early as mid-October, cutting down travel time between the two islands to just five minutes instead of resorting to a ferry. The strait separating the islands is 23 meters deep and has a tidal range of up to 6 meters. That, together with strong ocean currents that move as fast as 1.5 meters per second, seasonal gale strength winds and big waves, have made the bridge construction a true feat of engineering. Authorities say the bridge will benefit the locals and boost tourism. The municipal elections are just over four months away, but already in Taipei, the gloves are off. The KMT's mayoral candidate Jiang Wan'an alleged that the DPP's candidate Chen Shizhong, who just resigned as health minister, couldn't do epidemic prevention properly. Jiang even went as far as to accuse Chen of lying all the time. Chen, in response, said the Taiwan government's fight against the pandemic had marked a new chapter in world public health. Meanwhile, local pundits are divided on whether the three-way mayoral race could be to Chen's advantage. Some say Chen could get elected on a split vote, while others say the DPP's 28-year-long losing streak in Taipei will continue. The DPP's Taipei mayoral candidate Chen Shijun on Friday continued to stump at temples, attracting crowds of supporters. But one man in the crowd in particular caught attention from the media after turning up to Chen's campaign events for three days in a row. Reports say over the past six years, the man had sought help from the KMT's rival candidate Jiang Wanan on four occasions, leading some to question his motives. I held seven meetings to assist this petitioner and helped him issue 14 official documents. Although I did not entirely fulfill his wishes, I have already done my absolute best. If the citizens run into difficulties, we're willing to listen to them. We'll look into our records and see which ministry can help. Chen and Jiang both made a big show of how they each help members of the public. A new poll released by a foundation run by KMT legislator Johnny Chiang reveals that 56% of the public are dissatisfied with former Health Minister Chen's performance in fighting the COVID pandemic. In that poll, dissatisfaction with the government's procurement of COVID vaccines also broke the 50% mark. Chen Shizhong's epidemic prevention results simply don't make the grade. Politicians actually need to be honest with the people, not like Minister Chen Shizhong, who lies all the time. I think this is something that everyone can evaluate. However, I just want to say here, I insist that our epidemic prevention results get a score of at least 75 or even 80. This will be remembered as a new chapter in the world's history of public health. Some media pundits say Chen could be the DPP candidate with the best chance at winning back Taiwan's capital for his party, 
after 28 years of DPP losses in the Taipei mayoral race. But a three-way race could also result in defeat, as happened in 2018. Will Chen's race result in victory like Chen Shui-bian or defeat like Yao Jiawen? We need to adopt the Ajong model. We will work hard. Ajong will do the right thing and I hope the public will support what we do. Taking off his tie and rolling up his sleeves, Chen has adopted his own Ajung model for electoral campaigning as he fights to win the capital back for his party. In January this year, Zara Rutherford, a 19-year-old woman of dual British-Belgium nationality, became the youngest woman to fly around the world solo. Now her brother, 16-year-old Mac Rutherford, is attempting to follow in her trail and become the youngest aviator ever to circumnavigate the globe solo. On Friday afternoon, he touched down in Taipei Songshan Airport. He was originally expected to land in Taiwan on Wednesday, flying directly from Vietnam, but owing to Chinese objections, he was forced to first fly to the Philippines, delaying his arrival. The teen was greeted on the tarmac by an airport staff member holding up a placard. He was later seen wearing a T-shirt with Taiwan's national flag while speaking to reporters. The young pilot set off from Bulgaria in March, stopping through Italy, Kenya and India, among other countries. After he arrived at Taipei Airport, he was immediately taken by bus to a quarantine hotel in Taoyuan. He is expected to leave Taiwan tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock to continue with his quest to break a world record. A new dance piece choreographed by award-winning Spanish choreographer Marina Mascarell will be showcased in Taiwan in August. The dance piece will be performed by Taiwan's dance troupe Dance Forum Taipei and is inspired by the science fiction novel Parable of the Sower. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang met Mascarell to find out more about her piece. Dancers take the stage interacting with tubes, water pipes, tiles, strings, bamboo, and other abandoned objects. Through the organic sound of their bodies and objects, the dancers travel through different worlds, encouraging the audience to value objects that they often neglect. The dancers travel through different worlds, created with abandoned objects or um, objects that uh, in our society don't have a lot of value, but they uh, kind of elevate those objects and give them value. Like in the first world we use uh, tubes, so it's a whole, it's a whole world of tubes um, which make uh, special sounds and they learn and they learn from these objects, their body learn from those objects. Then second world is like full of tiles. Um, is uh, these construction tiles that are not used anymore and they create special sounds and uh, create instruments with them for their body. This is a choreography piece by award-winning Spanish choreographer Marina Mascarell. The dance piece called Orthopedica Corporatio is inspired by the science fiction novel Parable of the Sower. So the inspiration behind this piece is a novel by Octavia Butler called The Parable of the Sower in which she narrates the journey of a community to survive. So that was the main inspiration for the piece and we have created a community of singular uh, people 
that uh, shares a space and travels through different landscapes and soundscapes. Um, it's a community that is very open to listen to each other. It is a science fiction community. Mascarell says the show caters to the Taiwanese audience and showcases Taiwanese characteristics. The landscape is definitely Taiwanese and uh, the dancers are recreating absolutely everything. So um, obviously it's very, very different also because the concept of community in your society is very different to our concept of community. This is a more collective uh, society that takes in consideration more the community than where I come from, which is more individualistic. So um, all this already makes a huge difference in the way people approach his work, in the, in the way they approach the task, the objects, everything. Masquerel has been awarded several prizes during her career. Her work has been seen in the Netherlands, Taiwan, Germany, Sweden, Spain, Korea and more. Orthopedica Corporatio will be on show from August 26th to 28th at the newly opened Taipei Performing Arts Center. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Taiwan Long in Taipei. Well, Taiwan continues to bake in scorching heat. Hua Lian once again recorded the day's highest temperature at 41.2 degrees in Zhuoxi Township. Over in northern Taiwan, the mercury hit 39.3 degrees in Banqiao in the early afternoon, the highest temperature recorded there since 2003. And if this report hasn't made you melt already, it's going to get hotter over the weekend. Adults and children alike, regardless of whether they can swim or not, splash around in this wading pool to cool off. Going down the water slide again and again, all the children are having a blast. To not get sunburned, some of the parents accompanying them wear hats and clothing for cover, while others simply hide under the shade of the trees. High temperatures are engulfing the island as the North Pacific High picks up strength. Experts say this coming weekend will be even hotter. In the period from July 23rd to July 25th, the high-pressure system will reach close to Taiwan, and weather patterns won't change too much. Before the 24th, the northern regions along with Yilan and Hualien will see particularly high temperatures. In Greater Taipei and regions in Taoyuan close to New Taipei, it will feel really hot. Look up and it's all clear skies. The heat won't be easily dissipated owing to a high-pressure system covering the skies over Taiwan. In addition, westerly winds are blowing heat toward the nation, which caused the temperature in Hualien's Zhuoxi Township to climb to 41.2 degrees. Will Taipei be as hot as this? There is a chance that it may get to be over 38 degrees. Like we saw recently, Taipei's Shuzhou and certain areas can easily reach high temperatures of 37 or 38 degrees. It's rare for the CWB to project three days of continuous high heat so far in advance. The high pressure system could ease on Monday, allowing the weather to cool down with the possibility of afternoon thunderstorms.